podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. So, just so you know, this is the super duper good brothers catch up so um you know apologies for the delayed release but uh hopefully the content is still a relevant conversation for you or something that you can draw something uh valuable or what have you from so enjoy peace peace i'm majestic my brother justice raji all right man so man at the time of our recording, you know, it's an interesting week in, uh, I guess you would say, in, in electoral outcomes and, and and legislative activity and and, and and a little basketball. So, you know, let's, I guess we start with, you know, what's happening in Tennessee. And I think it's quite fascinating. Um, so you got the uh, Tennessee legislature you know, basically ousting or, you know, expelling two, trying to expel three, but specifically ending up doing only getting the votes to um, expel Representative Justin Jones of Nashville and Justin J. Pearson of Memphis, you know, probably an important footnote to think about, you know, to the two biggest cities in Tennessee that those uh, state reps come from. And the other was, uh, I want to say, Gloria Johnson was the third and that vote didn't pass. You know, which obviously gave the the optics of you know you, as much as uh, oh I guess we should start with the the rationale that the um, and it's, and someone can feel free to correct me or give more detail but the Republicans supermajority ousted them on I'm probably burying the lead uh, is due to seeing them as procedural violations of the the rules of the chamber because of the actions that they took, the steps that they did in terms of, um, you know, local state level constituents who came to push the legislature to act um, on, you know, gun safety and, uh, you know, uh, gun rules um, in the wake of the murder of uh, several young folks, I want to say, at a Nashville school. Is Nashville? Yep. Yep. Um, Private school. The uh, preceding week um, in what has been a continuing, unfortunately, you know, reality of, of you know, uh, mass shootings and those mass you know, those shootings also taking place um, in um, school or at schools and school sites. And so all of this is, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that, I, you know, I don't think we can, I don't really want to get into every piece of it. But, you know, the the act that specifically led to this expulsion vote was the three state um, representatives, you know, you know, went to the floor and and basically in concert with the folks who were in the gallery. So so you know, constituents, you know, members of the electorate, members of the of the body public, <laughs> um, who were voicing their angst, uh, their outrage, their anger, their upsetness, their frustration 
And the decision that they did was to, you know, I think it's pretty fair. And from my reading, I, I wouldn't dispute, you know, there's, you know we're going to, uh, in, instead of maybe engaging the substance of what, what would lead to those acts is to expel those members from the chamber and, and from the legislative uh, session, you know, uh, at least until, and yeah, so I've said enough about kind of like where we, where we got to, I'm happy here. Like, what well, is there some of your thoughts about that situation? Yeah, man. Uh, so <clears throat> I think it's a really interesting take again on the dialogue that, you know, you and I have been having around this really weird space of like, here's where all the growth is happening all across the country. It's happening in places like Houston and Austin and, and uh, you know, Atlanta, Metro Atlanta and, you know, uh, Miami, right? Oh, Florida, writ large, frankly, right? Mm-hmm. Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa. Um, it's all these places that are growing, right? Where the, e, you know, in Pittsburgh, there's been a lot of consternation recently around like population loss. Um, being that we're the second oldest county in America behind Broward County, which is basically, you know, Broward County, the county of snowbirds, right? right, right. Um, <laughs> but so you just, all these places that are bursting with growth and jobs, right? So it's like, okay, that's true. Then they also have stuff like people being ejected from the General Assembly for what in most places would pass for maybe a spirited but pretty run-of-the-mill <laughs> uh, act- activist movement, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, the reps grabbed a bullhorn and right, right. did a bullhorn thing, right? Um, but this is the flip side because, like, okay, people all want to be these places because they can eat, drink, have brunch, but then they have, you know, they have general assemblies that expel people for what in most places we would call the most basic engagement of kind of public discourse. Right. Right. And, 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 and so go ahead. Yeah. No, that's what they just interject is, and given the context of what, what, what folks are upset about, you know, I, I just, in this case it's lost in there that, you know, six people died and it was, you know what I'm saying? It was a a a showing of the community and uh, uh, the public around you know gun control and you know as however one feels about it. You know I think those are exact extenuating circumstances where censure or like they gotta go home for a few days or whatever. But like <laughs> to, to expel them from the legislative body, it, you know. Well, it, it goes back to this thing that you and I have talked about that like you know Sandy Hook wasn't the beginning of gun. <laughs> the gun discussion in America it was the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, because when Sandy Hook could happen and nothing changed, it actually was heading towards the end of the fact that, like, generally speaking, we are prepared to put up with a certain amount of death. And this is not a partisan statement. Generally speaking, Populations as well as government 
writ large. I ain't talking about someone, you know, the, the, the brother's sisters in question or the sister wife's sister in question. I'm talking about in general, we are willing to put up with deaths continuously happening, whether they are happening in communities that have been challenged by resource deprivation, or we're talking about challenges of like sometimes un, quite unclear, you know, like why this is happening in this school, right? But we have become okay with like America is going to take a certain amount of people just dying with guns and we're going to eat it. And nothing's going to happen. And I, and I want to I want to be really strident about this. Nothing's going to happen. And and see, sometimes because we think of, and I'm I'm going to say this too, we think about white folks, and we'd be like, well, when something really affects white people, they'll do something about it, right? And that's generally a, a black hell thing. It's even the, mm-hmm. it's the theory behind Derek Bell and you know, yeah, yeah, kind convergence of like, theories, you know, convergence, right? We we have theories, we have intrinsic knowledge and actually theories about this. Gun violence is really has functioned in a counterintuitive way to to the intrinsic and the strategies that we think about. Because while we have seen a lot of gun violence in in black and brown communities, white folks have seen a lot of gun violence too. Yeah. And ain't nothing changing. And so it, it so that's one part of it, but becomes fascinating that nothing is changing, and then people will actually get expelled for this behavior to talk about people's outrage that nothing is happening. Yeah, and to your point, instead of being like, "Well, are we debating the question about access to guns?" We're just like, "You know what? You didn't act on behalf," and the question will then, to your other point, it will now. We have the dialogue of, well, this was Nashville. Um, this was Memphis, right? These are the places who, you know, the that that folks are represented, and they're being expelled. So not only are you doing it based on kind of a political context, you're also doing the political context of big cities versus everybody else, which is frankly how small or not so small southern states still keep. Uh, policies that could be considered, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's the it's the operational model that, like, pretty consistently, the the areas in most of the country that we would consider, um, and probably the the majority of the the South would maybe even be the only place where this is actually maybe demographic, and I would I would. Turn, turn my head to any demographers listening, demographers, to you know, let me know if I'm right. I think is one of the only places in the state you might assume that a rural space is more white, you know, than than the urban spaces. But in a lot of parts of the state of our country, yeah, there's more, you know, black folks, more um, other you know communities of color in the close proximity to the metro centers. You know, what I'm saying of those states. Um, and then there's less in the not metro centers, 
Um, you know, as much as we know that often the the, the word rural, you know, although describing a, a place and a space is also, you know, code language for not, if not for white, for not black. <laughs> and then where I say, like, I would say probably, you know, in the South, in those Southern states, a lot of places that would be rural, you know, maybe not every part, but some part. It's definitely black, you know, then depending on, you know, we start getting into the way, you know, uh, where you call those uh, uh, voting precincts are drawn and all that, you know, you find a pathway <laughs> to, to um, you know, if you ever want to have an interesting thought, if you've ever looked at how the city of Austin's uh, voting <laughs> precincts <laughs> look like, you know, that's an interesting, uh, you know, that's an interesting I would just advise any of you who've never seen an article about how the, how Austin, uh, you know, this place people consider, you know, super progressive or whatever. Um, but their actual voting representation is these really weird shaped districts. But, you know, that's politics. That That's American. You know, you know these are all things that could be, be uh, changed. But I think it's important just to point to, like, you have a... Um, you know, uh, a, a legislature that has the capacity to to you know, in a in a sense, as I see it, try to like send a message, so to speak. You know that we're not, you know, and I, and I don't know if it actually serves the work of their legislature. You know, I, I, right? But you know, what I'm saying, but and and in some ways, you know, yeah. It, but it's 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 a wild kind of thing to see happen, <laughs> right? Mm. Like. You know that that you know as upset as you may be, right? And I and I you know and and I'm sure there's a few people that are sincerely like, oh man, I can't believe that they did you know let a basically as they feel let a protest you know on the on the on the floor, um, you know. But as 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 stunts that go on in state courthouses because state court you know not state court state legislatures are a lot different than like the, the federal congress like there's all kinds of stuff goes on in state legislatures you know around the country in terms of either the wild things that people say um because they feel empowered to do so um right. or you know ways they show up just because it is um i mean you know the play, people are people and and when folks are upset or they're outraged or they just need to try to make a point <laughs> they need to try to get something stated you know and kind of get it in the public sphere um you know they may say or do or you know have various antics i mean i'm sure uh you know uh, we can probably find or people other people who monitor some of these things more closely um can see can 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 dig those up but the thing i think is interesting about it um from a you know you have looks like at least to me and i i, don't, I know a little bit about you know the two especially the two brothers that were um expelled um but you know, pretty seem like pretty young um, politicians, right? Um, and you know, representing you know parts of uh, of their uh, of that region and that community, you know, it's the kind of thing that like I, I would say uh, political careers have been built on less of a national moment. And you know, I, I, I it's almost like the thing of like if their intent was suggest to like I guess to prove their capacity or power to just do this as opposed to maybe engaging the actual issue. <laughs> right. So instead of engaging the conversation of gun control, it's like, well we'll we'll show them by expel by expelling them. And, you know, and maybe that's just messaging to the, the people who they feel what accountable to, right? They're like, well the people we feel accountable to, they'll appreciate that we 
you know, kick these guys out. You know what I'm saying? But I think there's like almost a power in it. If they get sent right back, which is which it sounds like from the reporting that I'm reading, because, you know, most places, for people that don't know, if you have someone vacate, usually in most states, the, you know, a legislative position, either to, for whatever reason, um, it goes to, you know, your local, uh, you know, precinct, usually like your county commission or something like that or whatever the legislative body that is in that space to like appoint new people to fill out the rest of the term. Um, and it looks pretty good that like they're all, they're both coming back. Right. And so I don't know. You just see, I feel like if you, you kick, you kick somebody out and then they come back, it's like, Oh yeah, I have an endorsement. I have a very strong endorsement that I can go hard on the stuff that my community wants me to go hard on. You know what I'm saying? Where, you know, maybe before if you, if you felt any, I mean, they didn't seem like cat folks that had any quit in them, so to speak. So maybe they would be coming hard regardless. But I just think it's sort of a fascinating occurrence. And it's the sort of thing like to, my, to me to like look at and go like, all right, let's see what else happens in Tennessee you know, over the next you know five to 10 years and how active this crew is in that change. If there's change or something interesting goes on. And, and here's the other thing. And I'm going to go a little, just be a little unpopular here. Yeah, go for it. But I think there's something to see here about protest and the power of it. And, and as mm. I've stated, the the needed and important protest is a part of the civic commons of America. And then I'm going to go to the real hard power politics that conservatives have spent 30 years controlling legislatures and judicial spaces. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 in many ways, they've given up being mayors and even county execs of like, especially blue areas. Mm-hmm. They've said you can have them, right? They want to control the state legislature and the state judiciary to be able to do goofy things like this, right? Because yeah. yeah. you have to control, you have to have a super majority to do something goofy like this, right? Yeah. And so I think for those who would who would complain about it to often think about how do you get a supermajority? And and is there a political and structural way that you can bet things like a supermajority in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Now, if you say that's a path and that's a bridge nowhere, like in Alaska, like Alaskan bridge, like that's fine. But I think we should think about it because the question starts to be. You can protest and they can kick you out and then you can come back and then they can kick you out again. Yeah. So if you keep getting kicked out of an institution, you got to start thinking about, well, who, how did they get to control of the institution? Yeah. In a, in a chokehold to be able to facilitate this kind of thing. And I, I do want to say this to people who would consider themselves the progressive liberals, whatever term you want to use. Cause I think the terms of, you know, starting to be somewhat meaningless other than, you know, your perspective on process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the, the, the depth of the, of the depth of your perspective, perspective of process. But I do think folks should think about it. Like when you look at Alec for anyone that looks, wants to look up Alec, A-L-E-C, which is a uh, conservative think tank that, you know, you ever noticed like after Roe v. Wade, like the same laws were in every state in America, in every state legislature. Mm-hmm. 
because they were written all by the same people who gave them to every state legislature. Yep. And, you know, the the, the research is out around, you know, the Heritage um, Foundation and, you know, Leonard Leo and the whole thing about the judges. And so I just want to say that there's something to be said for people who have been thinking about institutional control versus, not versus, but let's just say in a sense compared with the appropriate role in the civic commons. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that they're one versus one, but I'm saying what can happen is we can focus on the fact that you did a thing and you got, and, and this was wrong versus how did someone get control of a state legislature to this right. degree? Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I I I thank you for for touching like bringing that, elevating that because I think that's the like if folks are if folks to me you know if I was lived in Tennessee you know well I guess if I lived in Tennessee I probably would already be involved in knowing that we're in this crazy you know this this super majority situation but I'm like, anyway all right for the sake of the exercise <laughs> the question then is like all right look if these two because you know there's something for someone that's you know in public office to have the temerity to even put themselves out there and so you need that from a, i think it's important from like a character trait of the person doing the work but there still needs to be like a plan of like all right man how do you how do you break that one party has this super control, like, you know, uh, it probably, I'm sure through polling and other information, uh, you know, I'm, 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 you know, as is the case in a lot of these states, um, it, there's not a lot of places when, from a, a public sentiment perspective, and like, you know, Pew Research, all those sorts of things on many issues, that those who would maybe vote um, conservative, essentially super conservative, as in some cases you might have, that those are actually the the um, the public, you know, the policy position where people live. You know what I'm saying? Although they may live in a state that has that kind of supermajority. Now, some states, that's not the same in all states. I'm not saying it is. And I'm not saying for sure that that's necessarily in question in Tennessee. I just feel comfortable saying, I bet you it's a little closer to 50, you know, 54, 55, 45 than it is 70%, 80%. 72, 28, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm right. pretty sure that ain't, that's not an accurate representation on a lot of issues that the people of Tennessee may feel on whatever the issue may be, whatever the policy concept that we're discussing. I'm sure there's a lot more that wouldn't, you know, maybe land where that would be, you know, but I think that's a part of even the divide law where people understand like policy, meaning what's actually happening, what's on practice, what's in the laws, what's in the, in the thing is not the same thing as like the political representation that might be in place. The political representation, you know, as again, is also a feature of not just the South, but happens in a lot of cities and, and um, a lot of regions where the, the people who are active in the political oper apparatus that is around are not necessarily always, you know, fully representative or connected to the people, you know, the majority of the people who inhabit a space. And that can be for a multitude of reasons. So I think, um, you know, taking the lesson, not just having the, um, you know, I, I, I hope from this, whatever happens with this, as this story develops, you know, whatever happens with these brothers and, and that sister um, in, in terms of their, uh, you know, ongoing you know advocacy in their community, that folks don't, you know, kind of maybe valorize the 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 the, the sort of the, the 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 martyrdom without also looking at the um like yo there's also a situation here where you know the question of how good is it for you know is this representative body 
is it is it just out of bounds? And should it, you know, what what work can folks do to like go, hey, no, you know, maybe this, you know, will this motivate maybe other folks to get involved in the electoral process or show up in other ways that that goes like, hey, we're not we're not gonna have uh we don't want to have a representation that instead of prioritizing discussion on the subject matter of outrage, wants to basically oust the people who <laughs> who made it louder. You know what I'm saying? And and um man, but that's whew, that's a heavy thing. Cause it, and this has been, you know, we've talked about it on here a couple of times. I mean, several times. I guess it can't escape it just over the last few years of of, uh, of public policy around and politics around the country that, you know, there's places where folks that may not hold the majority p- opinion of the people have the majority of the political power to make decisions in the state, you know, at, you know, at least at the state level. And I'm going to go a little further and say, when you see it in other countries and we talk about the political stuff happening in other countries, and sometimes we're places that have like three or four parties, which confuse us deeply right, <laughs> in America. Yeah. Like, wait, there are three, four parties. There's a social right party. There's a social left party. And there's a Christian party, like in Germany, the trade unions party. Like, you know, I, I'm actually an advocate that I think you would actually see healthier, slightly healthier governments if there had to be trade-offs between parties not just individuals mm-hmm. because i think what we see in america is a transaction between individuals like i think president biden adopted a very a much more progressive stance than it was that he took in order to you know get the votes and and then try to actually fulfill you know if he saw those policy objectives as ones that would make this you know the country better but that's 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 internal negotiations. Yeah. But that's not like party to party negotiations. Yeah. To actually not just temper the ideas because it's not about those ideas don't need tempering. But how do you have a governing majority? Because I would argue we've gone through small times of America having a governing majority on either side. But generally speaking, it's elusive. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, and I, and I think it's it's the idea that like it that if the in the concept if the in the construction of the the parties is that those parties also like actually operate from like a philosophical viewpoint or so to speak or a conceptual viewpoint around like what should happen in in society and then so then those people like so then those ideas are connected to a certain group of people and then people you know rally around that. And, you know, I mean, I don't think it's a wild thing to say that people's general ideas around the decisions that should be made around the multitude of things that we need to make decisions around. Probably if we if we had the option and the development of it, if so much of our apparatus has not been, you know, basically at a place right now where it's, it just doesn't seem like a real thing that could happen. And, and it basically, is a, I guess we just say it hasn't been a real thing that could happen <laughs> for almost 100 years now in the United States, but that, you know, yeah, there's actually a, a probably a more pl- more of a plurality, like a wider scope of like where people would land with like their party affiliations if if there were really viable pathways for those different you know parties to, to grow. Like we're you know, but we 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 are in this place and we've been in this place for you know quite a while, where it's like no, we just got these two, and then you know we got and you try to fit a lot of stuff that doesn't fit, and I think you see it in both parties, frankly. Yeah. You fit a lot of stuff that doesn't fit under either party when it hasn't been fleshed out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and you get the political and policy kind of obfuscation on both sides, or you get Republicans doing stuff that some of the party be like, uh, oh, we don't really agree with that. Right, right. And you get some Democrats who are like, oh, okay, we don't really agree with some of this stuff either. Right. And so you don't you don't get the party to party negotiation, which I think is a important part of it, not the support groups or groups who make up the uh the populace individually engaging with like the president right 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 and, 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 and saying like hey do more on this get get us student loan stuff right like it's not a party that said hey we agree to do it Mm-hmm. It's an individual told another individual, "Hey, I'm going to do it now. Hey, I'm going to give it a try." Yeah, I'm going to take a swing. Because what happens is that people go, "You said you was going to do it, and you didn't do it." And it's like, well, there may be a good reason it didn't happen, but there was never a party apparatus to explain that to the region more broadly. So anyway, yeah. And I, I, one this other thought I would say on that is that it, it kind of takes us to, especially depending on the level of government like away from the idea that like you should actually be solving a problem like or or fixing an issue and not so much debating it like as a political matter like that like right. you know like if i could give an analogy like if we're doing infrastructure about a, a sewer pipe that's you know 150 years old and made of wood and it's like yeah we got to figure out a plan to, to fix that pipe and whatever the ramifications and the road clearing and the, the land lease easements and all this stuff. And then, you know, the funding to get to that might need to, you know, will often in most places it will be federal funding, right? Suddenly becomes a political discussion where ultimately the actual work of fixing the pipe is a thing that, you know, regardless of whatever your political values is above, you'd be like, yeah, but pipes probably need to be fixed. Right. But what instead of discussing pipe fixing, we're discussing sort of the political apparatus to get the money to send the pipe fixing. You know what I'm saying? Which, you know, I guess it's my complicated way of saying it makes stuff that probably doesn't need to be complicated and contentious, complicated and contentious. And, you know, maybe we can I don't know. We'll, we'll see if in our lifetime it it changes in a substantive way. Um, you know, who knows? Um, I think that kind of opens or te- tips us to be able to step to the the next sort of political related thing or policy or election election related yeah uh, with the outcome in chicago um um, because i think that speaks to sort of the you know ultimately a race that was all on one side of the aisle right um you know uh, with uh uh johnson and is it vallis 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 yeah and the you know outcome about with uh Johnson prevailing and and at least the way at least I feel it was reported on prior um was a lot of sort of like you know you know I guess in this case considered the person that was said it more of a progressively progressive and Vallis is more of a moderate to maybe not really a progressive person but at least on that side at least for the sake of this race he was he was liberal or whatever have you or democratic or whatever um yeah, I thought it was um, interesting. I mean, you know, Chicago, third, you know, is it still third third biggest city, right? Third largest, absolutely. Still third largest city, you know, still an anchor point of the, you know, and, and you know, always, I guess, especially of the last seven, eight years, everybody's favorite city to bring up when you talk about guns. 
Um, not that, that you care about the people in Chicago, but you love talking about it. Um, it is very um, interesting. I, I think, you know, and I'm curious to keep watching, you know, sort of outcome that, I mean, I just, I just say I felt like the general tone was people assumed or really felt that Johnson wouldn't win and that the more, um, you know, moderate that was coming with like sort of the tough on crime language and all that guy was going to, uh, Vallis was going to prevail. Um, although there was other, you know, lots of reasons why I, I would, I don't know, I, I definitely wouldn't have voted for Vallis <laughs> if I lived in Chicago based on what I know about him. Like, no, not, not ever. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious of your thoughts on like the outcome in Chicago. Yeah, so this is an interesting one that I've I've been looking at and, and really kind of spending some time thinking about um, because it frankly cuts against the national trend in, Dem- in the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. um, which has been skewing um, in the big cities and in some of the larger dialogue skewing more. And I don't even know that. And that's why I say, I have to be really careful about these terms, progressive, moderate, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. you, you get a, you get a point where, and it's a valid, so I want to put a, put a pin in something on, on him, but like you get these terms and I think they're just all in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. of like, Could you be progressive in many things, but if you argue that, you know, you think more law enforcement is a short-term solution, does that mean you are not a progressive, that you don't hold progressive, like, perspectives? Mm -hmm. Or if you are, have, you know, if you are a progressive, but then you think, you know, maybe a certain way about taxes, (laughs) does that mean you are, like, you not, know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. Now are you now are you not that other thing because you're like, yeah, are you not oh. a progressive because maybe you don't want to tax uh you know um uh, the richest people at un, at forty six percent like and I'm not uh, again that's not a value yeah, whatever the thing just, is yeah but the, whatever it is but I think we get into like these terms that then cover a lot of policy perspective that like most of us don't really know what the origin story of the policy position is mm-hmm. we don't know what the origin story is like the vast majority of people wouldn't deny that in most cities yes p- that you need more people doing more things around root causes to stop and stem issues mm-hmm. that that's not really a debate now, if you say that that should happen along with increased law enforcement, then you could argue that becomes the debate. And where should more resources go? Or if you argue resources should be redistributed from what we commonly call law enforcement, which I think is also part of a challenge. Like, because why doesn't law enforcement include the things we were just talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, why doesn't law enforcement include the other resources, right, as a as a broader landscape of what you need to do? And I would argue in a lot of cities, those other resources are starting to be aligned and at least aligned with what we have called traditional law enforcement to solve problems, because a cop will tell you that they can't arrest us out of problems. They will tell you that. Mm-hmm. 
So that's not that's really not a debate. Now the debate is where do the resources go? How's it go? How what unions do you take it from? You know, bargaining agreements. Again, those those become the complicated things. So I think that's part of the challenge. Chicago, though, I think broke what we what we perceived as the mold, and that's coming out of obviously with with New York, which you know with, with Adams, who's he, he, he's his own kind of enigma yeah. <laughs> himself. Right. Because he he jumps in and out of different perspectives, which is a perfect example. Like he jumps in and out of perspectives. Right. Right. Some stuff he says is, very quote unquote, progressive. Some stuff he says, quote unquote, very moderate. And some stuff he says very conservative. Yeah. But newsflash, I want to share this with people who are listening. There are some black people who are conservative. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a real, real, real conservative. Black it's some black folks that you and everyone in your family you that you love them right and they be at the, they be they don't even be tripping like they be at y'all have cookouts to eat and they don't you know but if you ask them like oh no I, I, I'm voting this way or you know just even if they don't vote in a way you know I, I think I think typically right we we would have the like progressive conversion like that the the well, one that is a, a issue of electoral politics and not a conversation about like other kind of values about the public. It's not values. That's right. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is part of the challenge too, because here's the thing: what we saw in, in frankly, in Chicago, in the primary, Johnson, Mayor John, you know, Mayor Elect, um, did not win. The vast majority of black wards. Mm. Lori Lightfoot won the vast majority of black wards. He did not win. He was kind of painted as the guy that was with the teachers and the lakefront liberals. And then in the in the you know the runoff, he wins 82% of the black vote. So let's be clear: there are some people who do not vote his politics that voted his race. Right, right. And and is kind of consistent with the way I mean you know and I I'd love to look into it more, but you know where our community typically votes like we got to keep the person that that is potentially more dangerous for us out of office. It's like oh, I mean I don't really rock. I don't know if I like this dude, but I don't rock with that dude. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if she's you know I don't know if she's great, but this person is not great as far as I can tell. And like we more often. You know, historically, we, we you know, I mean, I'm sure there's much better and more articulate folks on the history of the black electorate um, than I. But we will look at the situation and go, who here will put me in a position to be safest or get the things that I need to get done with the least amount of harm? And I'm going to go with that person. So, you know, and I guess then it even creates the conversation that I think, you know, our, our electoral structure, you know, often leads to. It's not always, again, these, these clear ideological you know, and clear lines around who people see themselves as, as people and how they vote. You know, it may be for some folks, but I think for a lot Absolutely. of folks, it's a, it's a mechanic. It's like, it's a, it's a mechanical, it's an operation. You're like, all right, I looked at this I looked at that, that one, not that one. You know what I'm saying? Where some people, you know, maybe they're like, you know, some, I I don't know, uh, you know, like, oh no, I'm, I'm, you know, I am looking for conceptual purity. You know what I'm saying? It's like, nah, I got to vote for someone in this, and therefore I'm going to pick one. 
Exactly. And we and so here's the thing. When when we see it in national politics in America, we be like, oh, wait, what happened? <laughs> the white people will be start being white. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give it a chance, white people will start being white. Right? Mm-hmm. And guess what? Black people will start being black. It's it again because some of it isn't the the hard and fast politics that we align ourselves with. Those are the structures that make it easier to sell newspapers and do if you got a newspaper or, you know, have media Mm -hmm. to talk about the progressive versus this. Vallis lost, essentially. Both of them were carrying albatrosses. Johnson carried an albatross saying to fund the police in a time where a variety of people across Chicago have challenges with the term. This is not a point that I'm trying to say is right or wrong. It's yeah, just, it's just a, a reality. reality. Yeah. It's, right. He was able to walk that back differently than Vallis was able to say he was more like a Republican than a Democrat. Yep. And that is the bottom line. It's easier to walk back to fund the police than I'm more like a Republican in a town where, generally speaking, even the most conservative Democrat still sees himself as a Democrat. And 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 is I think wary, at least you know, from a couple articles I read speaking to that particular subject, wary of the idea of empowering somebody who would say that. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Because there's a big risk if you put somebody that says that in office. That once they get in office, they go, yeah, you know what? I really have more. I realize I not you. only do I feel like I'm more the one thing, the other thing, I'm for sure the other thing. And then then what do you do? Because you put them in office and name, you know, everything that comes with once someone's in office, you know, they're in office. They got the name, you know, name recognition, you know, unless they, you know, are just, you know. And you got four years to do what you want. Now, here's the thing. We're all, I will say this, we're all used to presidential politics where people go really one way and then try to come back to the center mm-hmm. in the in for the for the you know for the general. And we see it on both sides, right? Yeah. We see someone being like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this for you. And then it comes, and then when it comes to the general, they'd be like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not quite like that. Even Republicans would be like, I hate these people. Pick them out. Do this. And then be like, oh, I said that, but maybe not. You know, liberty and business. We got to think about that. We got to be, got to give people a chance to, you know, to, to yeah, find a dream. Was, See what I'm saying? We want, like them those, to, we want them to work, don't we? Like, so. Yeah. Right, right. They start mellowing out a little bit. Like, you know, I know what I said at that other party, but I, you know, I had to say that. That's what I had to say. I, I, I We have to say it, but we, we see in mayoral elections that pivot, the, that pivot is not nearly as accepted. Right. So the pivot to go from I I'm more like a Republican and your own words. I don't like the Obamas. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what you think about the presidential library, the Obamas are still extremely popular in black Chicago. And for you to say you don't like. The president and the first lady of a town, again, with all of the challenge, all of the complicated politics. One thing is not a debate. That they lived <laughs> and have friends and are products of the south side of Chicago. Yeah. That is not a debate. And for for a person running for the mayor of Chicago to say, I don't like them. 
is a challenge for a 33% of the population. Yeah. Yeah. They they probably not going to rock with you. They're not right. They're not rocking with you for you to say that. And so I think Chicago bucked the trend because of some very Chicago things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, by all uh, all, you know, appearances. You know, uh, Mayor-elect Johnson is smart, thoughtful. I will say he is running into a he is running into a hurricane of a town. Um, yeah, because like most cities in America, and this is something that is not no one's particular fault, but it is everyone's problem. When offices aren't used, people won't pay taxes on them. When you don't pay taxes on the office, all the things that we want to tax at higher rates, they're not there to tax. Because fundamentally, if you're only coming in two or three days a week, either someone says we're downsizing and moving to somewhere with less space, and that's usually not in the city center, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you get less taxes. When you get less taxes, you get less resources. So that means you have to now, in, in all of the ARPA money from the federal government, we will be done at the end of 24. So you didn't have to find other money to pay for the city services that you talk that you're telling people you're going to enhance. Yeah. yeah. And so it, every mayor in America has to find more money from places to, to has to find has to actually and there's no such thing as really doing more with less. <laughs> there's no such thing. It's it's a falsehood. It's it's a creation of American corporate. Like corporatocracy, and it's not real. However, if it was ever close to it, you're going to have to provide more services for new emergent problems with less resources. So, you know, willfully for the good of all Chicagoans, right? Everybody kind of gets behind this mayor because, um, and that's separate from the fear mongering of what it means to be in Chicago. And that's also not to minimize the challenges that are taking place in pockets of Chicago. Because both can be true. Mm -hmm. Right? Both can be true. Like, you can say it's fear-mongering, and you can say there are pockets of places where people don't feel safe. And that's a variety of reasons, and it doesn't have to be like either or. It can be, as I've learned, both and. So, you know, I do think the Democratic Party is going to continue to be challenged by this idea of the flanks in the party as far as it pertains. I think it it, it shades the 24 election. It shades the presidential election. Yeah. Um, assuming, you know, if Biden runs, cool. Because in that way, I mean, there's, I don't think there, there, there will be some small rebellions that will be stomp, stomped out. But, but going forward, the idea of how you corral this huge tent of everybody who feels like from abolitionists to social democrats to socialists to mainstream folks to folks who just want to get theirs from the system, right? And putting them all under one tent and actually trying to suffice them. And I just think that's a big political 
challenge that the Republican Party has faced with, and they're still and they're still grappling with it. Hence, the eighteen people running from for for president, right? Right, right. And I think the Democratic Party, outside of Biden, would also be grappling with the same issue. Yeah, you know, I think the only other footnote that this points to or this makes me think about is if in the next, if there's a potential. If there's ever, if if anything, even maybe seated, if there was anything that maybe would create the potential for a more diverse, you know, sort of party organ party dialogue in the United States, is if just at some point trying to house all of these different thoughts, you know, it has it as it as it thoughts and perspectives on how things should get done and what should be within both of the two prominent political parties in our in our in our country if there is somehow in all of this over the next couple of years as we have a, a generational change in terms of the age you know we got a lot of very long serving federal level folks that you know some of them they, at some point they just got to retire like it's just the reality of it um the way that this stuff these conversations are going the way some of these races may break left and right you know if they are actually you know canaries so to speak uh of what's of what what's to come or what is to be if anywhere in there is the potential for like the like kind of meeting of the minds of like just different people saying like you know maybe we could just do this different like maybe we don't have to be like so on one team like maybe I could kind of like hear what they're talking about over there and they could, you know, go over there and then we can like make some decisions. You know, now I may be totally doing justice, like, you know, wishful thinking that we would get to a more pragmatic dialogue about our care and concern for for just our our, our livelihoods and well-being. But I would think the the generational changes that's coming our way, not to mention just, you know, who, you know, I don't even want to talk about the other situation with, with, with your man's and in, in, in New York and, and other possible indictments and uh, whatever that would mean. If, if, if we had to have, you know, if there's 18 or 19, or however many people trying to run for the Republican national uh, presidential, uh, what do you call it? Um, what do you call that? When the person's the president, uh, primary, uh, the primary, the candidate running the candidate, for, yeah, to be the candidate, candidate yeah. and, and vice versa yeah. on the other side, if that somehow would you know be fostered the space for like a, a national dialogue that does something different, um, you know, I, th- I think we still probably you know if 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 we're going to see something different in our lifetime, it's still probably a, a, a ways away. <laughs> but I wonder if if something I think if if some of these things are the things that would be in the stew that would open up sort of the electoral and the political process in the United States to go, we, you know, we would be better served by something by functioning in a way that gives a little bit more space to like, there's a whole lot of stuff that we make decisions on that is kind of like mundane and procedural and about like, what's the best way again, to put this pipe in the ground and a lot less stuff that requires all of this, you know, interpolitical philosophical fighting and beefing. I don't know if we'll get there, but it would be lovely if if we could. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, sure. yeah. So with that, we'll go to something else that became a contentious national <laughs> <laughs> culture <laughs> war. <laughs> and the LSU Tigers defeated the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes um, in the National Women's the the state the Iowa State of the Cyclones in yeah in the National Championship game um, you know Iowa led by Caitlin Clark who's cold uh, was defeated by um, LSU who was 
led by Angela Reese, I guess it's, it's like, or at least appears to be the team leader. And, and is a good player in her own right, you know, you know, and just for the record, because some people act like she wasn't cold, too, just cold in a different way. But I think that the, the issue, you know, one, I want to say it was good. I didn't get to see all the game because I was I was working on stuff and I was, you know, so I got to kind of tune in and, and, and try to watch it later. Um it was actually though, I think it's been like one of the highest rated, you know, women's national championship games like ever. And I think the rating, my understanding may have been, it was, it was, it's way better. And if it had a continued arc of actually, uh, of you know, if you actually like basketball, like which some people I don't think really like basketball, like really like the sport, like women's basketball, especially at the college level as, as uh, a lot of great talent. NBA, WNBA does too, but the, in terms of exposure, um, you know, despite, you know, and there's a great episode of Game Theory from a couple weeks ago um, talking about, like, the lack of investment and, and the inequities related to that. But saying that to say, let me let me stop beating around the bush. Uh, Angela Reese, like, just kind of put just put it in, in Kate Carr's face uh, for an extended amount of time towards the end of the game that we they put the smash down on them and, and everybody just started talking, you know, sideways and, and unhealthily on the internets and other places. And it's a, it's a doggone shame. Um, or, you know, maybe it's not, I don't know if it's a shame or it's ridiculous or whatever it is, but I'd love to hear what you thought of, of, of that situation and, and how it played out. So. <laughs> do my old, I'm going to do old black man. So, 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 so. <laughs> the old black men start like trying to tell you some heavy shit. Right. Um, I want to frame it because I think it's important. I don't think you can have the conversation about Caitlin Clark, Angela Reese, and LSU without having the conversation about South Carolina. And that's not just because I want to center somebody from Philadelphia, but I think it's important. Yeah. So South Carolina, Iowa play. And Caitlin Clark is giving people numbers, right? And South Carolina has been a juggernaut. Yeah. Kudos to Iowa. They figured out that South Carolina couldn't shoot. And and essentially left the and they packed the pack the um the the you know the lane. For the sister Boston, Leah Boston, who, you know, player of the year, like amazing. And they just, and, and Caitlin Clark at one point waved off a South Carolina player who she knew wouldn't shoot. And South Carolina lost. And if you watch the press conference after, Dawn Staley is very adamant about the the things that this media is saying about her players. She's very adamant, like, this is wrong. Y'all are wrong. Right. Which is like, okay, what someone could look at like, wait, okay, y'all lost. You couldn't shoot. Okay. But so then when you watch the second game. And so you watch Iowa play LSU and LSU leads with the fact that they have a chip on their shoulder about how South Carolina was treated. Mm -hmm. And then you watch the game. A lot of stuff starts to make sense versus it being about Caitlin Clark and Angela Reese. Yeah. To me, this is not about Caitlin Clark and Angela Reese. Yeah. 
This is about a broader context of women's basketball coming to the forefront, but still old tropes about women's basketball is present. Right. And about women's basketball, that if men were playing the same game, it would be called hard nose. But when girls are doing it and there's 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 homophobia, there's a whole bunch of stuff wrapped in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that being present in that game, LSU taking that and seeing it and taking it seriously. And then you have two white players. I'm forgetting this, this, uh, the white girl's name from uh, Louisville, along with Caitlin Clark, who are playing in ways, and let's just be real, that America's not used to seeing white girls play. Yeah. They're not used to seeing the spunk and the, like, whatever <laughs> that they are right. giving off. <laughs> and people don't know what to do with it. So when you have the media treating black teams like they're barbarians or some sort of like corner store, you know, aggressors, and then you have white players who are playing with abandon and not necessarily playing with racial animus, but playing with abandon. Man, they're going hard. <laughs> they're going hard. And, and then the final thing is that even though they are playing as hard as men and, frankly, better games than the male games, especially Final Four, and I would even argue probably Final Eight, Yeah, we still want them to have class. Got to be, gotta be classy. You have to be classy. These male players ain't been classy in generations. <laughs> but now the women have to have class. And when you see a black woman who you're, uh, many people are not comfortable with, act in a way that you're like, okay, this is this is happening. But meanwhile, Caitlin Clark's giving it all off. She's flagging players, playing, playing. She's doing the you can't see me, which I'll want to point a point in. John Cena did not come up with that. That is tone, that's none of that. Tony Yayo from the G Unit. <laughs> and I want everybody to stop begging like John Cena came up with it because John Cena has told the world that it's Yayo's dance, man. He got it from Yayo. He got it from Yayo. And if you want to, if you want to have a conversation on the power of black culture and hip hop culture in the world, the fact that we have a dance created by a dude who does that in videos because he is running from the police. <laughs> <laughs> I guess John Cena see the record, see the video. I, that's it's still actually hilarious that that's the way <laughs> that all came together. It is it's the wild thing that to me about it, I find actually fascinating too, is like the way folks like even like, well, well, you know, I was I'll just say it this way. Aggression is aggression. Whether you do passive aggressive, which some people I know y'all, you know, people in, in privileged <laughs> power really love to do passive aggression. So they're like, well, she did the thing with the face while walking to the bench and walking over here. I would just say it. If me and you playing basketball, and you know, especially in my I'm, you know, I I'm retired now from pickup basketball. I've retired, I put up my I've hung up my my dunks or my 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 <laughs> my basketball hoop shoes from the world <laughs> of you know, whatever it is I brought to the, to the world of uh, you know, recreational pickup. <laughs> 
sports. Yeah, I'm saying I, I've done. I, I've left with uh, you know, uh, three fictional uh, titles, a couple great moments, and stuff. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> However, I mean, what does it say? What does it say? Me and my beloved brother, who I'm speaking to on, you know, right now, we're having it. I I hard fouled a senior member of the community who I was playing. We were playing with. I don't even remember exactly what he said. I just remember we didn't like it. And I no, said, oh, you like going to talk like that, old dude? Let you let me let you know one thing. You can get you can get one of these you can get one of these uh hard ribs <laughs> to the body. And that was in a pickup game that ain't mean nothing. Like we wasn't going nobody was getting paid. Nobody <laughs> nobody else knows that game happened but us and who was there. But exactly. He said something off color over there and I said, "Oh no, no. No, you won't be talking crazy. You won't be saying that." around me and think we just go let's just how the game gonna go you gonna take one of these hard shots my man no hard and, hey and no love lost guess what we all made an attitude adjustment after that and we kept playing i once i'll just say it you know i once grabbed it, it, it towards the end of my uh my, my uh, organized basketball structural career at a, at a hoop game a couple years several years ago allegedly i may i may or may not have grabbed a young dude who was clearly younger than me and felt like they was showing their stuff, I may have grabbed his jersey and said, hey, man, we ain't going to do that today. I may or may not have done that. It's uh, competition, allegedly. man. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, these things could have happened. And it's like, yo, it's competitive sports. It's supposed to be contentious. And so if you do a face thing or whatever and just walk it away, if I'm playing against you, I still saw you do it. It don't matter if you, like, it might be harder to, you know, now if we don't want folks fighting in the, on the court, on national TV, I, I get it. I understand the taunting thing is the hope that it wouldn't escalate to, you know, real fisticuffs. However, whether you did something to taunt, to to to, to gesture to the opponent that, you know what I'm saying, you didn't have respect for them, in this, at least in this competitive context, whether you did it directly to their face or you did it while walking across the thing or you did it while looking at the crowd or you did a sign, you did a finger over the thing to the crowd, still, if I'm the opponent, you still offended. So, like, let's not parse, you know, that does that, it's like, that's right. a, you know, but that's been sort of the, well, well, she didn't, you know, yes, maybe the ref should have said, hey, hey, Angela, chill out. Like, like definitely the ref should say, hey, come on, all right, like, we get and listen, it. Like, and I don't care, <laughs> let, let me tell you something. They should have hit her with a tech. Yeah, hit her with a tech, man. Hit her with a tech, man. Yeah, y'all won. Hit her with a tech. Like, listen, because two things can be true. It cannot be a big deal, and it could be inappropriate for the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and the problem is in our conversation about race and gender, we can't parse that out. Yeah, that's we can't parse out that like yo. She could have got a tech for that, and she would have took a tech and ate her tech. Yeah. Right? She would have ate her tech. They would have won. And okay, she got a tech for it. It's over. She taunted them. It's you know, we would then we would argue. She taunted them too. Listen, she chased her around. She did. <laughs> like let's just, like let's you know again. We want to protect black women. We want to be supportive of black women, but also let's be authentic. She did chase her around. Yeah, she really did. She was wilding. She was wilding. Hit her with the tech. Call it a day. Yeah, but yeah. this broader conversation, like, like it can't like it can get contentious with men, but if for some reason it can't get contentious, Johnny Manziel. 
NFL does all kind of stuff on the court, uh, you know, I mean, on the field. Football players do all kind of stuff. Basketball players do all kind of stuff, hit each other, smash each other. In the you know, Dylan Brooks fouls people for a living, right? Like, right. <laughs> right. Let me. That's cool. And, and, and you know what? I want to share this real quickly. I want to put it in the context of NIL. Because I don't think you can have some of this conversation without name, image, and likeness conversation. Mm. Angela Reese has multiple NIL contracts. When you have all these contracts, it also incentivizes performing. Mm. And I'm not talking about performance. I'm talking about performing. There's a little bit of like, I got to show off. You think Caitlin Clark ain't getting paid? Yeah. I mean, if, if if Caitlin Clark, if you ain't getting paid, you get buckets. Someone you need to be getting paid. paid. Yeah. You out here getting buckets. You, you call us. Me and just me and just me and just right. gladly be your uh, your agents. <laughs> I mean, get you I, some nil money. Yeah, you need you call need us. to be papered up because you I like that. You know, I'm turning on the chat. I turned the set on to see what Caitlin Clark is doing. You know what I'm saying? Even I don't got the TV. I mean, is a flat plan or a set? Remember, like you call TV TV sets. Anyway, that's yeah. that's, that's an old man issue. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it. I think that's an interesting piece to bring up because, and and I'm I'm curious, and especially I mean, I think because structurally, especially in the women's game, because the best players, you know, quite frankly, they'll be in the league, you know, two or three seasons to to see them develop in a way that the the best players in the in the men's side. Will not be there where you where you have a you know a higher level of quality. So and I think that impacts the quality of the games that we see at the college level for men. Absolutely on the men's side and 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 and, and, and you know if if you know the, the the current nature of things continue. So when you get to like a game like this, you got players that have been playing several years and they they're they're developing their game, they're developing their rapport with their teammates, they're developing you know with the coaching schema and everything else. So it's really high quality basketball, and and it, it, with that comes the like, yo, if there's eyes on, on the court on what they're doing, you know that then you know at least with the business model we have created for sports, which is that advertisers, you know, this is the only thing that's live, and therefore let me associate my brand with what you do, and you know and everything else that goes with it. I just think it's um. It, it definitely, I think that's a great like pull, you know what I'm saying, to tap in that like, you know, yeah, that then also it does open up the gore for a little bit more like, you know, a little more showmanship, maybe. Then maybe your team, depending on, you know, how y'all doing, like, you know, the best players is like, yeah, like, you know, if I'm I'm the third, I'm the I'm the seventh person off the bench, I may not really be able to come in here and, 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 and act out too wild. But, you know, the star, the leader, she already she already has trademarked the name bayou barbie the whole bit <laughs> like so <clears throat> if we're thinking about how she increases her nil and i while i don't necessarily think i mean listen it, <laughs> it's hard for me to say if you're getting paid millions of dollars to perform on the college what's name you're not professional I don't know. I'm sure there's some lawyer that parses through that for me, but for me. <laughs> but if you, because everyone doesn't get this deal, which is a whole nother challenge, but if we assume that like, yo, this is, um, 
part of this, you think she didn't use this time to continue to boost up her presence in the NIL? Her and and, and the sister that's uh uh that raps, she's actually really good. Um Flujay, I think that's her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. Remember the rapper Camouflage? Remember the Camouflage? He was a rapper from down like Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's her. That's his. That she is uh, his daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Interesting context. Yeah. So, like, I mean, obviously, they're on the front of Slam. They're going to be in the front of every what's the name show. Like, so there is also a performance, a performing element to some of what occurred. Just like there's a performing element to the NIL deals for Caitlin Clark, the, the girl from Louisville and others. And so I just think, you know, the game isn't as nearly as simple as we want to think anymore. And we need to treat it with the complexity that it has. And we need to stop wanting women to be athletes, but in some way be more classy athletes than men. Yeah, right. And I'll like, just, just, I'll just say, for, for justice say, hey man, let, let, if they let them play, let them play. This y'all's just why enjoy the game, man. Like, stop trying to control everything. Like, they want to be, Kate Cart want to do the hand thing and they want to do hard daps or do, if, if some other team got like a dance every time they bang, they, they let, let them have fun. Like, it, it's sports. Like, it's supposed to be competitive. It's supposed to be spicy. You know, you know, after the game, like that, even in all of my, the, the reference points that I brought up where I may or may not have crossed a, a, a line that would not be appropriate in a, like at the supermarket <laughs> after the game was over. <laughs> hey man, I went over, Hey man, good, good game fam. Like, you know, dapped them up, like win or lose. Hey man, good game. Like, you know, you know, no harm, no foul, you know, just competitive <laughs> fire. You know what I'm saying? Like let the ladies had a competitive fire when they out there doing the stuff and stop y'all stop projecting your, your whatever, you know what I mean? You know, whether it's your insecurities or your lack of understanding of the human experience that will not allow you to conceptualize that women like want to fire and like do something and like defeat the enemy, you know what I'm saying? In single right, combat, right, you know what right. I'm saying? And like, win and <laughs> like, be winners outside of men. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like, and also for, for, for you know, the, the first lady of the United States, Jill Biden. Um, yeah, Jill, like, I, I get, I get it. But, you know, it's easy to fall into racialized tropes. (laughs) I'll just say that it's easy to fall into it. Like everyone doesn't get to come. (laughs) They both played a good game and that's fine. And if you want to hang out with Caitlin Clark, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, you're the first lady. You can hang out anybody you want. You can call anybody you want, but they all can't come in. Yeah, and, and we again. That's the thing of like this was so good and so good for women's basketball. Invite everybody. You don't do it with men. Don't do it with women. Yeah, it, you know what I mean. And you don't do it when you got this team that's perceived. Well, first of all, the coach from LSU looked like she dressed right out the Golden Girls. Uh, she she went to Golden Girls uh, wardrobe line. Yeah, she Man, got some, she, she got some, flashy. Yeah, she got some she outfits. Flashy, Jack. She got some outfits. She got man. Man. <laughs> She got some Louisiana outfits, Jack. <laughs> straight, straight from the bayou. And like, no, everybody can't come. Yeah. Because if that's the case, then everybody gets to come to every time. And that's a big dinner that the White House has to pay. <laughs> when everybody gets to come with every team, with every sport from now on. 
Right. It was like now we gotta break both teams. And now now you gotta, I gotta what? be in there with the team I beat, acting like it's the same. Like nah, man, no, I, yeah, I won. That's right. supposed to be my moment. You know what I'm saying? If I right, if, if, we, if we're into this whole I won my moment, then leave it, leave it how it is, and we don't have to take women's basketball to be the first time that we're now going to be more altruistic. Yeah. So word up, word up. Well, you know, I think I think we I think we I think we said enough. I think we covered a lot for the good of the order, my man. Yeah, so uh, with that, I'll just say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, Majestic. Uh, thank you for listening. As I said, this is the Super Catch Up close out of April. So, you know, whenever you get around to listening to these, you know, apologies for the delay. If you were waited, made breath.